0: Praise the Lord, everybody. It's good to be in church. Amen. Amen. Well, let us go to the word of the Lord quickly. Don't want to keep you any longer than God wants you to be here. John chapter 11, verse 1 through 4. And I will read most of the chapter. However, I will skip through it for sake of time. And also, I will read... Psalm 130, verse 5. It's my third service today to preach. Triple header for me. I love triple headers. My clothes are wrinkled. My voice is hoarse, but God is still on the throne. And God gave me this sermon about 30 minutes ago. So it's not going to be polished or perfected, but it will be powerful. Is that all right? Amen. God is good. It sure is good to see Brother Serrano, I love him, he's like a chili pepper. (laughs) Serrano, Serrano pepper, he's a ball of fire. I love this church, you know that, I always love being here. Isn't it amazing and awesome to see Brother King in church with us tonight? We've prayed for him, and it's good to see Brother Novick with us tonight, leading service. Good to see all of you. Brother Angelo did a good job, he always does. I remember my very first time here a couple years ago, almost two years ago to the date, and uh, Pastor King asked me to preach five services. I had three and a half sermons at that time. And I thought, what am I going to do with three and a half sermons? We got five services Wednesday through Sunday. And uh, I got here that Sunday night without a sermon. And I remember walking through this door with Brother King And Angelo was standing right here, and I uh, walked up to him before I came in, and he was about to lead service, and I said, Brother Angelo, you got to help me out. We need a barn burner. You need to bring down the house. I don't have a sermon. (laughs) This has got to be a runaway service. And sure enough, it was a runaway service. I mean, people were in the altars for over an hour during the music. I was in the altars. I prayed through to the Holy Ghost, and I thought, Thank you, Lord. You provided a way out where there seems to be no way. Then all of a sudden, Pastor King, he comes up to the pulpit and he says, Okay, find your seats, Brother Green's going to preach. I say, Lord, help me now. And I think that was my longest sermon of the week. (laughs) Oh, but God is good. I love this church. I can always feel his presence. And I've said it many times. There is a resident presence of God in this church that when you walk in, You could walk in all alone, and I've done it a few times to pray. Just walked into the sanctuary by myself and just felt God here. You can't do that anywhere. Now, God is omnipresent, but he doesn't manifest himself everywhere at one time. And uh, it's just amazing to be able to walk in to a place that has a foundation of truth, foundation of love, there's so much love here, a foundation of of protection, a foundation of peace and prayer, I love it, I love just being able to walk in here, it makes my job a lot easier, amen, so good to be in his house, thank you for having me, we do miss the sparks, but let's see what God wants to say to us tonight, I feel a direct word for this church tonight, I do feel a special anointing tonight, And I know God's going to speak to us. Amen? Amen. John chapter 11, verse 1. Stay seated. Stay seated. Let me do the standing. You do the amening. Okay. All right. Again, I'm going to skip through this chapter. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, But for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Jumping down to verse 21, you know the two sisters, you got Martha and Mary. Martha came first. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection. And the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Ooh. Skipping all the way down to verse 32. Now here comes Mary, the other sister. And Mary comes. It says, then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. She fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. Verse 34, and Jesus said, where have you laid him? All the way down to verse 43. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. He had been in the grave four days, and Martha said, He stinks. Jesus said he'll live. I want to preach on this subject. And I know I've got one more verse. I'll read that in a moment. But I want to preach on this subject. Hope revived. Amen. Hope revived. God, we love you. We thank you for what you've done in this church. God, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for peace. We thank you for your power, God. Everything that you've already done. But God, as for me... I've come here hungry. I've come here thirsty. I've shown up tonight desperate for a move of the Holy Ghost and fire. I may have eaten once before. I may have tasted, but God, I'm ready to be saturated with your love, oh Lord, that you can revive me in my faith. Revive me in my hope, God. Move and manifest yourself in this church Tonight in the name of Jesus Now together let us clap our hands And shout unto God With a voice of triumph Shout unto God With a voice of victory Because we have not been defeated We are not dead But God is alive And the church is alive He's inside of me And I have a way When there seems to be no way You may be seated. The other verse I wanted to read is Psalm 130 and 5 that says, I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word do I hope. In his word. Do I hope? I hope in the word of God, because the word of God is God. The greatest word he ever spoke was himself in flesh. And in the book of Revelation, it even identifies Jesus as the word of God. It says, and his name is the word of God. I love that I serve a God who fulfills His own word. I love that I serve a God whose word is full of life and life more abundantly. I love that I serve a God whose word is full of hope, whose word is full of faith, that whatever He speaks, there is creative power, there is divine destiny, there is faith, and there is hope. I love that I serve a God who's all he has to do is speak a word. All he has to do is open his mouth. And when it seems like my hope has been buried, all I have to do is hear a word from God. Woo! I feel like preaching the whole Bible tonight. Everybody said, oh, no. In the book of John, chapter 11, we find a very popular, familiar passage and narrative of Scripture dealing with a situation, dealing with a desperate situation, one of death. We find where Mary and Martha has a brother named Lazarus, and their brother is sick. And when he's sick, they know what to do. They call on Jesus and say, just get Jesus over here, and he'll be fine. We don't need the doctor. We don't need the physician. I know Walgreens is open 24-7, but Jesus is open 24-7. Just tell Jesus. And, and Jesus sits there, and he gets the, the word, the message that, that Lazarus, the one he loves, is sick. And he says, let's just sit here for a little bit. he will be all right. This sickness is not unto death. A little bit of time goes by and Lazarus dies. And he gets word that Lazarus is dead. And Jesus says, no, he's just asleep. He says, but I'm going to go and wake him up. And his disciples said, but Lord, if he sleeps, he shall do well. If he's asleep, we don't need to waste our time going all the way over there. It's two miles away. We don't need to walk two miles over there and See this guy, he's just sleeping. He said, listen guys, you don't understand what I'm trying to, he's dead. But the way I see it, he's just asleep. The way you've diagnosed it is death. The way I see it is, just asleep. All it takes is just a word. No big deal. And Jesus Sits there a little longer. Verse 17 says, Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Four days dead. Four days decomposing. Four days rotting in the grave. They had laid Lazarus in the grave because that was the only rational, logical thing to do. And Mary and Martha were wondering, where is Jesus? Did the postman lose our letter? What happened? Did Jesus not care? I thought Jesus loved our brother. Verse 18 says that Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem about 15 furlongs long or furlongs off. And I wanted to sound smart tonight, so I looked that up and it was two miles away. It wasn't as if it was on the other side of the world, it wasn't as if it was a long journey, it was two miles, maybe it, it was about an hour walk or so. It wasn't as if Jesus couldn't make it, He could have made it in one hour. By just walking alone He could have made it. But Jesus knew the greater plan, He knew that there was a greater purpose. In verse 19 it says, And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother, but no Jesus. Many of the Jews came and comforted the sisters, but no Jesus. He's only two miles away, but yet Jesus has not shown up yet. Jesus has not appeared yet. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, as soon, I want you to get this picture. you gotta, you got to envision this. you got to imagine this. That on this old dirt road, Jesus finally comes. Four days late. Starts strolling down that old dusty trail. And Martha hears. Jesus is on his way. And Martha says, well, if he's on his way, I ain't going to sit here and wait. I'm getting up and going to him. But there was a problem. Martha comes, and the way that I see it, the way that I interpret it, Martha comes and says some words to him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha comes, Mary stays. Martha says unto Jesus, see her old bony scrawny finger pointing in the nose of Jesus. If you had been here my brother would not have died. Where were you when I called for you? Where were you when I sent for you? Didn't you get my message? Didn't you get my prayer request? Don't you love my brother Where were you? If you had only been here, he would not be in the grave today. And Jesus responds to her. He says, don't you realize? First of all, says your brother shall rise again. He gives her a report. Somebody say report. He gives her a report. And he tells her, here's the report. He'll rise again. But see, his report goes through one ear and almost out the other. She sits there and she doesn't quite understand what he's saying. Because Martha said unto him, she said, I I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Yeah, we're all going to rise again. That's common sense to the law of Moses and and common sense to our religion that that there's coming a day where we're all going to rise again. I know he's going to rise again, but that doesn't help my current situation of depression and discouragement. That doesn't answer my prayer request. You're still four days too late. And Jesus responds and says, I am the resurrection. You don't have to wait for the day of resurrection. I am the resurrection. And I am the life. And he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Martha, what you don't understand is I know that your way out was buried four days ago. But what you don't see is that I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. I am the resurrection. I know the way's been buried. I know that hope has been buried. I know your brother's been buried. But I am the resurrection. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And he asked her, he says, believe thou this? You believe me? And her answer is kind of vague. She saith unto him, yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. But she didn't refer back to the fact that he was going to rise again. He said, do you believe that your brother's going to rise again? She said, oh, yeah, I believe that you're the Christ. I'm not sure about my brother. I'm not sure about that, that resurrection thing. I know who you are, and I believe in you. But right now, my belief, right now, my faith sure is dwindling. I believe, but help my unbelief. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister, watch, secretly saying, the master has come and calleth for thee. Now watch, as soon as she heard that, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. Martha went out and ran hastefully to Jesus I believe because she was upset and she came to him with an accusation a spirit of accusation and said where were you she stood face to face, nose to nose, eye to eye, toe to toe and said where were you, you didn't come, you didn't answer you didn't provide, where were you same type of thing that Joshua said back in the Old Testament when his army had been wiped out by AI and Joshua said, God, what is your problem? The Bible said that Joshua was on his face blaming God saying, God, what's your problem? Don't you realize that if the people hear what has happened, that the rest of the world's going to wipe us out and if they wipe us out, what's going to happen to you? And God responded and said, get up off your face. You think you And your power defines me and my power? You think my power depends on your power? The spirit of the victim. I've said this here probably before. I know I've said it before. But there's a tendency for us to have the spirit of a victim when things don't go our way. The victim always looks with an accusation for the adversary. The spirit of the victim says, I've got adversaries on the left and adversaries on the right. I've got this adversary here and this adversary at my job, this adversary in my marriage, this adversary at home. You see, but there's something different between the victim and the victor. The victim says, I've got adversaries. The victor says, though I sin, I've got an advocate with the father. I don't know if you heard me. I said, when I sin, when I fall, when hope is gone, I've got an advocate with the Father. I may have a legion of adversaries, but I've got one whose name is Jesus, and he's my advocate. He will fight for me. He will go for me. He will speak for me. Somebody clap your hands and shout, yes! Woo. Let me preach forward i got to get through this. And Mary now comes, but see, Mary waited. Mary waited. When they heard that Jesus was coming, Martha jumped up and ran. Mary sat and prayed and waited. You know, sometimes when you're frustrated, you don't need to send that text message right away. There's so many times, somebody's frustrated me. I wanted to go punch their lights out. There's been times that I sent that text message, you little stinking dirtbag. And then I and then they send me a text back and say, what are you talking about? I think you read that wrong. I, I don't think you heard my tone. I, I think you misread what I was saying. Uh, oh, no. Oops, sorry. And there's those times where, you know, I, I I'm about to send that email, I get so frustrated, and I just say, no, wait, just wait, just wait. I'm frustrated, I'm ticked off, I'm mad, my brother's dead, and and things haven't gone my way, and Jesus didn't show up, he didn't answer my prayer. He said that I can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said he would never leave me nor forsake me, but it's worse when he doesn't even show up. I'm thinking, God, where were you? You didn't show up at my job. You didn't show up when my family was getting, was getting in that mess and going through that storm. Why didn't you show up? And, and sometimes God just said, just wait a second. Be still and know that I am God. For they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I need you just to wait for a moment. Just wait. And Mary waited. Martha came back and did her business of accusation. Mary said, okay, I've suppressed the frustration. Now I'm going to go see my master. I'm going to go see my Lord. And Mary comes in verse 32 and it says, when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down Fell down. She didn't stand toe to toe. And look at him and say. Who do you think you are? Where were you? She got down on her face. At his feet. And said. Lord. If you had been here. She says the same exact words as Martha. But with a different attitude. With a different approach. With a different spirit. With a different mindset. She doesn't come with an accusation. She comes with an adoration. And says. God. If you had been here. He wouldn't have died. And watch. Because it wasn't a spirit of accusation. It was adoration. Got on her face. She humbled herself. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves. And pray and seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal. Their land. There's something about humility. There's something about worship. That says God I'm nothing and you are everything. There's something about worship. That says God I don't have the answer. God I don't have the understanding. But I know. That you are my God. I was just standing over here in the pew, and and I felt like the the Spirit quickened this in me. The the, the Scripture in Job, in Job chapter 3. Excuse me, in Job chapter 1, when God says, All right, devil, you go do what you want to do with Job. The devil destroyed his life. The devil took his family. He got those reports from the messengers and said, hey, the wind came and nothing survived but me. And he got these other messages that, hey, man, this came and all of your your cattle were dead. They they didn't survive. I'm the only one that survived. And everything you owned is gone. You were the richest man in this area, but today you're bankrupt. You have nothing left. And in Job chapter 1 verse 20, it says, then Job arose and rent his mantle and he shaved his head and fell fell down upon the ground, fell down upon the ground and worshipped and worshipped and said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Job said, hey, I don't know why this happened, but all my sons, all my daughters have been killed, and and all of my my money and my reputation, and now people are accusing me and and calling me names. But God, you're still God, and I still worship you. And because of Job's spirit and ability to worship in a time of confusion, at the end of the story, God said, Hey, I'll get rid of all this confusion and I'll double what you once had. I've preached about David here before when David lost his son in 2 Samuel chapter 20 or chapter 12. David had sinned with Bathsheba. And now, because of his sin, his son was judged to death. And David went into it. Listen to me. David went into his room and prayed for seven days, God save my son. Now, you think after seven days God would answer your prayer, but sometimes God doesn't answer our prayer. He doesn't always live up to our expectation because his ways are higher than our ways. And after seven days of praying and fasting, the Bible says that his son died. And the next verse, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 20, it says, Then David arose from the earth, he changed his clothes. He washed himself. He anointed his head with oil and he went to the house of the Lord and he worshipped. Not saying, God, I love you for, for what you've done, but I love you for who you are. That's worship. And here's the results of David's worship. God said, I've forgiven you. I'm sending you another son. And Bathsheba gave birth to Solomon. Anybody knows what Solomon means? Peace. And God sent a word and said, Hey, I know you've called him Solomon because he brought you peace, but I call him Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord. His worship, watch this, church. His worship brought new birth. His sin brought death. His worship brought new birth. And the new birth was peace. The new birth was something that was beloved of the Lord. In this hour we're living in, there's nothing we need more than than peace from God. There's nothing we need more than something that God loves. In this world, there's so many things that God hates. He hates sin and He hates the immorality of this world. There's nothing we need more in this hour than to worship and get on our face and say, God, send the palace of praise, a load of peace. Open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing. Of peace something that's beloved of the Lord you want to see people born again you want to see new birth happen at these altars and in the waters of baptism new birth always happens after a church knows how to worship Woo. And Mary gets on her face and says, I'm confused, I don't understand, I can't fathom it, I can't make any sense why he didn't show up. But is here now. So I'm going to do the only thing I know that's right. It may not be what I feel, but my heart's wicked. I'm going to do what I know is right. I'm going to get on my face. God... If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. If you had only been here, he wouldn't have died. And see, you know that God gave Martha a report, but he gives Mary a response. Huge difference. A report doesn't have a lot of feeling or emotion in it. It's just the reports. It's the the matter of fact. But a response means I connected with your emotion and I'm responding to what you're going through. Mary worshipped. She got on her face and humbled herself. And this is how God responded. It says that when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned. In the spirit. And was troubled. And he said to her. Where have you laid him? They said unto him. Lord come and see. In the next verse. That all of us can quote. Jesus wept. He looked at Martha. Who was accusing him. And said. He'll rise again. But when Mary came and laid herself down and showed her emotion, showed her honesty, showed her her confusion and showed her fear, but also showed her faith and and said, God, if you had been here, he would not have died. He, in essence, humbles himself and he weeps and he groans in his spirit. And he responds and says, where have you laid it? Where have you laid him? That's all that matters now. Doesn't matter how it died. Doesn't matter how you let it go. Doesn't matter the mistakes you made. All that matters is where did you lay it? You think, why would Jesus, the omniscient God, knowing all things, the end from the beginning, why would he ask a question like this? He knows where Lazarus is laying. He doesn't need somebody to tell him where he is. But it brought me to thinking about in the book of Genesis. When Adam and Eve backslid and ate of the tree and they sinned. And the Bible says that that they heard the voice walking through the garden. And God responded to their sin and said, Adam, where are you? The omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God who knows all things from the end to the beginning. He's the author and the finisher, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He knows everything in between. He asks a question, Adam! Adam! Where are you? Adam, where are you? Adam and Eve had gone and hid themselves and they sowed fig leaves to cover their their nakedness. And God just asked one question. Uh, It doesn't matter right now what you've done. My first question is, where are you? We'll get to the details later. We'll get to why you did it later. But right now, the most important thing is that I need to know Why would God ask that? He knows where they were. He could see them. He could see them. He knew where they were. But you see, there's got to be a confession of guilt. There's got to be a recognition of I'm lost. And it doesn't work if God comes to you as the accuser and says you're lost. It doesn't work if God comes to you and says you're dead. There's got to be self-recognition. I've laid it down somewhere, I've lost my hope, I've lost my faith I did something I shouldn't have done, I ate of the tree, I was deceived but I chose on my own volition, God, here I am God, here I am, God, here I am, Lord, there's got to be an opportunity For a confession. And it's amazing how even when God knows. He gives you the open door. To walk through and say here I am. Pastor Sparks read the scripture the other night. In Psalm 85 that says. He's ready to forgive. God is faithful and ready to forgive. When I read that ready to forgive, those three words stuck out to me as some of the three most powerful words in the Bible. Ready to forgive. In other words, he's sitting there like this. Okay, see my hands? They're pierced. I've already poured the blood. I'm ready to forgive. All I need is for you to say, here I am. This is what I've done. Come on. I'm ready. I'm I'm about to pour out my blood. All you got to do is say, God, here I am. God, here's my sin. God, I've laid it down. And as soon as you say, God, I've messed up, I repent, I come out of the bushes, I'm coming out from hiding. God says, boom, I was ready all along. I've already paid the price for you. I was just waiting for you to come out of your sin. I feel right now, let's lift our hands. Let's just take a moment right now. Pause right here and worship God. Come on, somebody with a sincere heart. Somebody with an honest faith say, God, here I am. I may not look like you want me to look, but here I am. Jesus. Jesus. Let's it just for another moment. Just for another moment. Jesus, I'm almost through. Jesus said in response to Mary's worship. In response to Mary's humility on her face. Jesus wanted to know the one thing that truly mattered. It didn't matter what caused it. It didn't matter why. He said, where have you laid him? The name Lazarus, one of its connotations and definitions The Greek means hope. 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 And Jesus said, I know you've buried your hope, but I am the resurrection. I am the life. Where is your hope? I know for the last four days. You've come to this grave with no hope. I know the last four days you've come to this site and you've put flowers here as a memorial saying, I remember when I had hope. I remember when hope was with me. I remember when hope was mine. But these last four days... Uh, have been a time of trouble for you. That you've come to this same place right here. I remember when we used to have hope. I remember when there was hope in my family. But no longer can we have it. It's gone. Maybe when the trumpet sounds it could be resurrected again. Seemingly Four days late Jesus steps onto the scene says, where have you laid your hope it's the first Sunday of 2015 I want to ask some of the saints in this church in 2014 or even preceding last year Where have you laid your walk with God? Where have you laid your passion? Where have you laid it? I've preached this verse here a number of times, but in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I got to see Jesus Christ in his resurrection. Cephas saw him, the 12 disciples saw him, and over 500 people saw him and experienced Jesus Christ in the resurrection. Over 500 people, of whom the greater part remain, but some have fallen asleep. And there's times in our lives There's times that our spiritual walk, everybody here is guilty of it, for we've all sinned and come short of His glory. There's nobody above sinning. There's nobody above laying down your hope for a season. There's nobody too spiritual that life doesn't get a little heavy at times. But all Jesus is wondering, He says, listen, in your diagnosis, in the way that you see it, it's dead. You think it's dead, but I'm the resurrection. Life All I have to do is breathe. All I have to do is speak. Because in my power, I have creative life. In my being, all I have to do is speak. Because in me dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And my Father, He spoke life to a world that was without form and void. and Darkness was on the face of the deep. And He spoke, and He's in me, and I am in Him. Therefore, I can speak. And Jesus said, where have you laid it? You see, he did not tell Mary and Martha, bring him out. He said, take me to him. There's sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, that's why I feel to share this tonight, that we get so caught up in praying. For a release of the negative. Instead of an impartation of the positive. We tried to say, God, get rid of this. Get rid of fear. Get rid of doubt. Take out my faithlessness. Take out my selfish spirit. Take out my pride. Nothing wrong with that prayer. However, I believe that it's even more powerful Instead of saying, God, get rid of my pride, to say, God, give me love. Instead of saying, God, get rid of my fear, because you're speaking fear. And your thoughts are on fear. I believe it's more powerful to say, God, give me faith. There's sometimes that it's not the way to try to get rid of it but what we need to do is get God into it i'm not saying we can't pray god take this out of me and get rid of this demon or get rid of this problem that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying that sometimes our focus and our priority should be on getting god in because when god gets in he is light and where there is darkness, when light steps in, darkness said, oh, God, that's light. I've got to get out of here. You see, when you get life into the grave, grave the death jumps out of the grave. Death cannot stay where life exists. When you have sickness, nothing wrong with praying the sickness out. But sometimes we should pray the healing in. Because when you have God who has all power and he has the power to heal and set free. When he comes in, when God comes into the grave, death has to leap out. When light comes into the darkness. Jesus says, where have you laid him? I want to go to him so that I can bring him out. Because when I go to him, death can't stay still for a moment. It's got to flee. Jesus says, all I need to know is where have you laid him? And in the pause from his request to their response, Jesus weeps and cries. And he groans. Because he knows that no child of mine ought to bury their hope. Because I'm Christ. See, how many of you have Christ in you? The hope of glory. We have Christ in us. The hope of glory. He is the hope. And when we have him in us, no situation should cause us to bury our hope. He is our hope. He is our joy. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Sometimes I believe. But the reason why we don't have the strength to fight against the immorality of this world is because we don't have the joy of the Lord. And the reason we don't have the joy of the Lord is because we don't get into His presence. Because the Bible says in His presence there is fullness of joy. When When you get into His presence... When you tell him where you've laid it, and you let his presence come in like a rushing mighty wind. When you get into his presence, there's fullness of joy. And it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. You're staring at me. and Jesus says, where have you laid it? And he wept in verse 38, it says, Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, again, groaning. It wasn't just, oh, I feel for you. I mean, it was something he felt in his spirit, again, groaning in himself. He came to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Whew. Can I just take. A stone lay upon that grave. Brother Damon, you know what that stone represented? It represented shame and reproach. Because I thought that Jesus could heal. In fact, there were people standing around saying, Well, didn't Jesus heal this guy and, and open the blind eye over here if he had been here? It represented shame that Jesus didn't answer their prayer request. But this is what the Lord gave me, and I'm going to take my time to give you this, because I feel led to give you this. I've already referenced Joshua, but in Joshua chapter 4, we find where the Israelites were dealing with a spirit of shame and embarrassment. In Joshua, excuse me, chapter 5, they had just come through the waters of Jordan, the Jordan River, and now they were faced with the walls of Jericho. And all they can think about is their past. All they can think about is their bondage. And all they can think about is that they were in slavery. All they can think about is how they sold themselves to Egypt. And they're worried about their reputation. And worried about what people might think about them. And and they're thinking, well, how are we going to defeat these massive walls? These people know that we're just slaves. And God spoke to Joshua in Joshua chapter 5, verse 9. And he said... And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach. In other words, the shame of Egypt from off of you. Wherefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. Doesn't mean a lot to you right now. But Gilgal means rolled away. He said, listen, I know that your past brings reproach on you. I know that your past of bondage brings Shame on you and insecurity on you. But listen, I have rolled away that reputation. I have rolled away that insecurity. I've rolled it away. And when God showed me that, it just struck a spark in me. And I went to chapter 24 of St. Luke. And it says, now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, They, being the disciples, came unto the sepulchre, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. They came to the tomb that Jesus was in. They came to the tomb where Jesus had died and been buried in a grave. And in chapter 24, verse 2, it says, And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre. You know what that stone represented on all the Christians of that day? On all the Jesus followers? You know what that stone represented? Shame, reproach, embarrassment. All the people in the world, they said, hey, Christian believers, hey, Jesus followers, I thought you said that this was the Messiah. Well, we got your Messiah trapped in a grave. Shame on you. The Jews thought, my God, what? What have we done believing this guy? I mean, uh, wow, I'm embarrassed. I can't go outside anymore. My neighbors laugh at me because they've seen my Messiah die, persecuted, crucified, and buried in a grave. The stone in front of the tomb represented shame on God's people. And God said, the same spirit and same power I used to roll away the shame off my people in the book of Joshua. I used it to roll away the stone in front of my grave. The same power, the same love that I used to roll away the shame off of my people in the Old Testament. I rolled the stone And I came walking out because I am the resurrection and the life. And now Jesus is faced, before his death, he's faced with the death of Lazarus. And he says, where have you laid him? Responded to Mary, the worshiper, who later, the next chapter, washes his feet with ointment in her hair. She breaks the alabaster box, which represented lots of money. It was very, very expensive. And she said, I sacrifice everything for you, Jesus, because you raised my brother from the dead. You see, Jesus responded to a worshiper, a person of humility. And Jesus just said, Where have you laid him? And he comes to the grave in verse 39, and Jesus says, Take away the stone, Martha, or take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks, for he's been dead four days. You see, there's always going to be a critic when God wants to revive your hope. People are going to say, Hey, they stink. They haven't been in the prayer room. They haven't been coming to church and been faithful in their tithes and faithful in their worship. Their hope is gone. There's no way God could revive their hope. There's no way God could revive their faith. I know who they are. And by this time, their spirit is destroyed and corrupted. It stinks. See, that's the spirit of the devil. And the devil is a liar. Arthur said, by this time he stinks. He's been dead for days. Let me remind you, Jesus, you missed it. You Missed it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Whew. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Verse 43, and when he thus had spoken, he cried. He cried. What am I trying to emphasize? That when you bury your hope, Jesus, he feels it. He feels pain. When you bury your hope, Jesus doesn't just stand there and laugh at you and mock you and, and wait to judge you and condemn you. Jesus cries. He weeps. He groans when you bury your hope. And Jesus cried with a loud voice Lazarus, come forth. And when he thus had spoken, he cried, excuse me, 44. And when he was dead, came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. When hope came out of the grave, it didn't look like everybody expected. It was still wrapped with the cloth. It was still wrapped and a little distorted. And Jesus said, Loose that hope. I've revived the hope. Now release the hope. I've come to preach tonight. Hope revived. In 2014, I know, I know that some of our hope has fallen asleep and died. And in our diagnosis, we would say it's dead. And our diagnosis, we would say my prayer life is dead. My walk with God was dead. My worship is dead. It can't be fixed. It can't be restored. But when Jesus, who was the resurrection and the life, when he steps in, he says, It's not dead. It's just asleep. And all I have to do is wake it up. What I've come to preach for to you for you tonight is I feel Jesus speaking to this church. Help come forward. Hope come forward, faith come out of the grave. Fear go, you're not welcome in this church, discouragement, you're not welcome in this church, depression, faith come alive, hope come alive in the name of Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. You don't have to be dead any longer, you don't have to be asleep because I am the resurrection And the life. I wish you were more than just hearing me. I wish you were believing me right now that Jesus is the resurrection. I said Jesus is the resurrection. And if you have Jesus on the inside, you've got Christ in you. The hope of glory. No devil in hell can trap you, can keep you in bondage. You've been free by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. For with the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. There is hope. My God, I feel like worshiping. I said, There's hope. There's hope. There's hope. When it seems like there ain't no way, Jesus is the way, He is the truth, He is the life. Yes. Somebody shout, I've got hope. Shouted with faith, I've got hope. Jesus is my hope, He paid for my hope, He died for my hope. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Right now, all God wants to know, where have you laid it? Where have you laid it? You buried it because you thought it was dead, but it's not dead. It's just asleep. Don't bury it. Somebody get honest with God right now. God, I'm sorry. I buried it. But you are the resurrection and the life. And though it may be dead, it shall live again. It shall live again. Come on church, where have you laid it? Where have you laid your faith this year? Where have you laid your hope? Where have you laid your worship? Where have you laid your passion? Where have you laid it? Somebody give it to Jesus right now. Let him resurrect your hope in this hour. Hallelujah. God, in the name of Jesus. God, roll away the shame. I rebuke the shame in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that you impart love. I pray that you impart faith. I pray that you impart the gift of faith now in this hour. Faith be loosed. Faith be loosed in this church. Come on, somebody claim it right now. Faith is mine. Hope is mine. In the name of Jesus. Let God revive your hope. Let God revive your spirit.
1: Yes, He
2: loves us. Oh, how He loves us! Oh, how He loves us! How He loves us so. Well, He loves us. Oh, how He loves us! Oh. How he loves us, how he loves us, oh, the way, the way. He loves us, oh, how he loves us, oh, how he loves me, how he loves us. Can we lift our hands and sing it from our hearts, say, He loves us, oh, how He loves us, oh, how He loves us, how He loves us, so. Oh. Oh, how he loves us How he loves us oh, Sing it again from your heart, say He loves us Oh, my God, he loves us Oh, how he loves us Kataya How he loves us How he loves us Oh He loves us. He loves us. Yes. How He loves us. I love, you, I love you, Lord. 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 God, you're good. God, you're good. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord
1: hallelujah 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 there's a lingering of God's presence here hallelujah hallelujah how he loves us hallelujah thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you
2: Lord how he loves us so!
1: thank you Jesus thank you We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. It's still early. We can take an extra moment in his presence this evening. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm not in a hurry to get out of his presence. I'm not in a hurry to leave his presence. Sometimes we get so busy and we have a routine, but I don't want to leave His
2: presence. Oh, God, I love You, Lord. There's
1: no place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. Hallelujah, hallelujah. has been good and needful for many of us. You know, People around you may not know your situation. I may not even know. I'm pretty sure I don't know. But I'm glad that God knows. He knows what we need when we need it. He knows when we need hope. He knows when we need strength. When it feels like only chaos is reigning in your life, there's this... The word of God that speaks peace and hope and and strength into our life and I'm telling you there's nothing like it and we have I'm glad we have a place like this that we can come to and hear the voice of God and we have the opportunity to respond to it and we feel that God Almighty his presence wrapping around us I, it's it's a beautiful thing I know we we get used to it but it's just still I'm still in awe of it because it's so beautiful God himself would come down And allow us to feel his presence It's a beautiful thing It's a beautiful thing It's been a good word this evening It's been a good word We've had a good day in the Lord today I hope you take it with you You don't forget it Put it in your back Maybe you didn't need it this evening But put it in your back pocket Because you'll never know when you need this word You'll never know what you might need it Well, before we leave, I wonder if we can lift our hands one last time and just thank Him for His presence, for this word, for this day. God, we thank You today for everything that You've done. We thank You for Your mercy. We thank You for the hope that we have in You. We thank You, Lord, for so many things. The list is endless, but God, I worship You today. Thank You, for You are my strength. You are my health and the marrow to my bones. You are my peace. You are the still small voice that speaks to the chaos in my life. I, I thank you today. I praise you today. You are the God of my salvation in whom I've placed my trust. I worship you today. I praise you today, God. I lift my voice you.